You are listening to NTC Messina's podcast, where our desire as the family of God is to simply know God, love one another, and make disciples. How's everyone doing this morning? Good? Awake? Chilly? The last couple mornings have brought a frost with them. Starting to show our true North Country colors, which is white. Not yet, I know. It smelled like it in the air yesterday, I just got to say. Smelled like snow. So, all right, um, this morning, you know, actually, I want to give you a quick update. We did have our first Ogdensburg service, interest service, this last Friday night. Uh, It went awesome. It was at the freight house. We had quite a few people there. Um, I don't know the exact numbers, but we had quite a few people. We even had some folks. I had actually 10 to 15 folks that texted us uh, just from the Augensburg area that just said, you know, there was conflicts and also people being quarantined because COVID is still harassing us. Um, And so, you know, it was an awesome service, an awesome time together. We're really excited for what God's doing there. Um, And as I said, even that night, and I've said it a lot about Augensburg, I really believe that what God has us doing there is just watering the roots of what has been there for a very long time. And if you trace our, our history all the way back, it starts actually on the Augensburg-Canton Road. Um, Uncle Ron was there on uh, Friday night, and I had him pray. I don't know if he's in the room somewhere. To, yeah, there he is in the back. Um, and he was there all the way back in the Augensburg-Canton Road, and just really incredible to see what God's doing, even over these last 40-some years, to just continue to influence the North Country for his kingdom. And so we get to be a part of that. It's exciting. It's awesome. Uh, we're gonna, I believe we're going to have some great news in the future about what God's doing there. So we're going to keep moving in our kingdom series. And this morning is probably, uh, it's not the end of our kingdom series. We're probably going to do a couple more things. But this was one of the main points that I was planning to reach or to get to after we talked about what is the kingdom, why, why does Jesus go about preaching the kingdom of heaven is near, repent for the kingdom is amongst, or, uh, near you or upon you or amongst you, like he uses different language in there. And why is this the message that Jesus really speaks when he was here on earth? And so we've kind of did a series through all that. We've talked about the obstacles. What keeps us from seeing the kingdom in our lives? What keeps us from seeing the kingdom actually take place in this world around us? And even as we know, Jesus ties disciples to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we know our job as Christians is to believe and pray that the kingdom of heaven shows up here and now not just when we die, right? We're not just waiting to the point that we die to believe that the kingdom is supposed to show up within us and around us. And so today really is probably the biggest hinge point of actually seeing that take place within our lives and in the world around us. And so we're going to start with John 3. If you have your Bibles, you can open up there. If you don't, um, you can get on your phone or the scriptures will probably be behind us. Uh, John 3, 1 through 8. And this is a story about a Jewish religious leader named Nicodemus. And basically, Nicodemus is very intrigued by who Jesus is. 
and wants to talk to Jesus, but guess what? All the other religious leaders don't like Jesus. We know the story, right? And so Nicodemus decides, I want to talk to Jesus, but I don't want anybody to see me talking to Jesus. Any of us live like that? You know you need him in your life, but you just are afraid if the rest of the world sees it, they'll judge you? Well, Nicodemus felt the same way. And listen, I guess at some points it's just okay to come find Jesus in the middle of the night. If that's the way you got to start, Jesus will let you come visit him then too. Eventually, though, it should impact your entire life. And so Nicodemus starts, and he basically comes to see Jesus. We're going to start in verse 1, chapter 3. There was a, a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark, one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know. I, I love this, because even the religious leaders understood that Jesus couldn't be dismissed. That what he was accomplishing, what he was doing, visibly for the world to see, they couldn't just dismiss him. And so he says, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replies, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So this is where Christianity has gotten this language from. If you've been around Christianity for any length of time or even around any Christians, someone might say, oh, are you born again? Or someone might even identify that in Christianity. Oh, I'm a born again Christian. And it's kind of weird language, right? I mean, for us, it's making, it makes sense if you grew up in church or you grew up in children's church and you have some understanding. But this is where this first piece of that language comes from. And he says it to Nicodemus. You cannot see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. What do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Nicodemus takes it very literally. Jesus replies, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Without being born of water and the Spirit. You know, uh, Justin just mentioned, you know, just as kind of an announcement that we have water baptism coming up in a couple of weeks. And there's a part of this that's actually referring first to being literally born of water. We all understand how that works. But there's also a place where this is symbolistic to the idea of what Jesus calls us to do to be water baptized. That there's a moment in time where when we're water baptized, there's this, it's a symbolistic moment, but it's also a real spiritual moment where I believe God literally, in a sense, you'll understand if you go to the class, but uh, baptism represents us dying with Christ. That we literally drown the old ourselves, the selves that are riddled with sin, that are separate from God, that are broken, we drown that. We, it's a symbolistic idea of that on the cross, Jesus nails our old selves to the cross with him. And so unless we're born of water and of spirit, he says we cannot enter the kingdom of God. Very interesting. Verse 6, humans, this is Jesus, humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. So listen, in Christianity, you know, there's a lot of emphasis on salvation. And it's 
absolutely the first step, really. You know, we, you know, Justin even said the first step, you know, in your Christian walk is water baptism. Well, probably the first step is becoming a Christian, right? We get that. Salvation is the most important thing. In order for you to even begin having a further discussion about what does it mean to actually be a Christian, which means to follow Jesus. So we have to understand Jesus' life. We have to understand his words. We have to understand his ways if we want to follow him. You know, sometimes we make Christianity so complicated. It's just a following sport. Do what the other guy did. And so we have to look at Jesus' life and say, what did he do? How did he act? What did he say to us? And there's this place where he's saying, unless you're born of the Holy Spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. And so, yes, salvation is important, and I believe salvation is that, that belief in Christ, belief that he died for you, belief that he rose from the dead and conquered sin, absolutely important. But to go any further in your Christian walk than that is going to require the Holy Spirit in your life. And we've talked about this so much. If you've come to church here at all, we talk about the Holy Spirit a lot. And, and unfortunately, Christianity as a whole there has been a shying away from the Holy Spirit. Orthodox Christianity believes in something we call the Trinity. I think most of us understand this. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's easy for us to understand the Father just by the way we call him that. He's like a dad. He's like a father. And we understand the Son, we understand Jesus, because we get to see a whole lot of his life written down in this book. But then there's this, this Holy Spirit, this other person within the Trinity that can be a little confusing at times, a little bit hard to understand, a little bit weird, a little bit you know, awkward. Let's just be real. And so Christianity as a whole has shied away from the Holy Spirit a little bit. But yet, it's imperative that the Holy Spirit comes to live within us if we want to see the kingdom of God. And Jesus is, re, is, is telling Nicodemus this. And what's interesting to me, you know, I don't know in the recordings of Scripture if this is all that was exactly said in those moments. We don't know that, right? I mean, they're recording these. Some of the, actually, John was recorded about 90 years later. And he's writing these things down. And I don't know if he's just putting in the parts that matters most or the parts that only the Holy Spirit needed us to see, right? We understand inspired scripture. But what I find interesting is that Nicodemus comes and he makes this statement, we all know that God has sent you to teach us your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. And it's like, kind of like Jesus just ignores what he says and it's like, eh, I just need to make sure you understand one thing. And so the fact that Jesus, in this moment with Nicodemus, wants to make sure he understands this most important thing, which is, I tell you the truth, unless you're born again or unless you've been born of water and the Spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. And I think the reason he's saying this to Nicodemus is something very important that us as religious people of today need to remember. You see, Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was a religious leader. 
He understood the law. He understood Judaism very well. He understood exactly how he was supposed to live. He understood the rules in which he was supposed to, you know, make decisions in his life. And he understood what it meant to go to temple and to, to offer sacrifices. He understood exactly how he was supposed to live. He believed in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he had devoted his life to him. Yet Jesus comes and basically says, that's not enough. That's not enough to know it all. It's not even enough to just believe it. It's not even just enough to, to actually have devoted yourself to this religious Judaistic system. He's saying now there's something more important that you have to understand. And even as a religious leader who understands how to live right, you have to have something that you're missing. And that's you have to be born of water and of the Spirit. And I think what Jesus was really confronting was that these religious people of the day, they understood all the right and wrong within their religious system, but they didn't understand what it meant to actually know God. You know, Jesus uses this language throughout the Gospels, and we see Paul use it in his letters, and even I, I think in Timothy he writes, you know, this is eternal life, to know the one true God. And that word know is this intimate understanding. It's why we decided when you walk in our building, when you come down our hallway, when you ask us about what we're about as a church, we say we're about three things, to know God, love one another, make sense. But knowing God is the imperative thing that has to happen within us. It's a relationship, an understanding that he cares about us and that there's an intimate way that I can come to know the God of this universe. And what we see here in this moment, it's not just good enough to be religious. We also have to have the Spirit of God living within us. We also have to have the Spirit operating within us. We have to have the Holy Spirit if we want to enter the kingdom of God, if we want to see the kingdom of God established within us, and we want to see the kingdom of God established around us, we need the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. John 14, many of you would know this scripture. I've read from it many, many, many times. And I want to focus on this, you know, Verses 15 and 16 together, and they're in your notes, and it says this. If you love me, obey my commandments. This is Jesus speaking. If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. I want to stop for a second there. I've often read this scripture talking about the Holy Spirit. We, we understand Jesus is saying, listen, I'm going to send to you another one. I love that he calls him an advocate. One who advocates for us, who stands up for us, who empowers us, who strengthens us. And he says he'll never leave you. He'll lead you into all truth. But there's a, there's a little bit of a caveat to this Holy Spirit. And and we often maybe kind of want to skip these parts. It says, if you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father. It's a continuation of that first verse. If you love me, obey my commandments, and then I will ask the Father to send the Holy Spirit. You know, one of the things that I think we struggle with 
in Christianity is actually seeing the Holy Spirit come into our life and produce the fruit of which he's supposed to produce. Sometimes it's because we're possibly not obeying the commandments Jesus has given us. And here's the thing. As you're thinking about, oh man, do I obey his commandments? I'm just going to tell you, it's really great. At the end of this chapter, actually at the end of the next chapter, but it's all Jesus speaking, 14 and 15, he tells us what the commandment is. And he says, this is my new commandment for you. John 15. Love each other as I have loved you. There's this interesting give and take when it comes to Jesus and the Holy Spirit within us. That somehow within us, we have to take a step forward for him to actually be within our life. You know, he... He's given us this incredible gift of grace. He's paid the price. He's wrapped up this gift for us, but we still have to somehow take a step to unwrap that gift, right? We understand that. It's the same with the Holy Spirit. There's this thing where the Holy Spirit's completely available to us, but somehow we still have to take a step forward to him for him to come fully into our life. There's always a give and take with Jesus. There's always a give and take with God. There's a place where we have to move to him even as he draws us. And listen, at the end of the day, he's even drawing you forward. But we we have to not resist it. And when we move towards the Holy Spirit, and I think there's this this obedience aspect that then the Holy Spirit comes in our life and starts to produce the fruit he's supposed to produce. And I, I love that it's really a simple one. Not an easy one, but a simple one. Love each other. Love each other. Love each other as I have loved you. Imagine, man, imagine if we just actually did that. Love each other as I have loved you. Now, then we ask ourselves the question, how did Jesus love us? Unconditionally. It cost him. It was expensive. Whenever I think about that, I think about the Last Supper in this moment where Jesus is literally telling them, I'm going to go and I'm going to die. I'm going to, you know, he, he breaks the bread, he passes the cup, and at the table, one of his friends is betraying him, selling him out for 30 pieces of silver. And when that guy gets up to leave to go collect the silver and tell those guys who are going to capture Jesus where he's going to be at, Jesus stands up and kisses him on the cheek. I'd be slapping him on the cheek. I know where you're going. (laughs) Love each other as I have loved you. When this commandment becomes true within us, when we actually start to try and act on it, I believe the Holy Spirit then begins to have free access to our life. I think we have the Holy Spirit now. We even read it in John 14. It says he's with you now, but later he'll be in you. And so there's this thing when we come to Christ and when we receive his gift, I believe the Holy Spirit comes immediately into our life. Because inviting one, you invite all. And so the Holy Spirit comes to live with us, but yet there's this place where we often resist the Holy Spirit from actually working within us. Because when the Holy Spirit works within us, guess what happens? Things change. Life can get uncomfortable. 
Life can actually get a little bit scary. You, get, you start to feel vulnerable because the Holy Spirit starts to come into our life. And this is what's great about Jesus. He loves us just how we are, but refuses to leave us the same. The refuses to leave us the same part usually comes from the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes and he convicts us, right? He puts his finger on our life and starts to point out the things that maybe we aren't doing that isn't in the design that God created us to live in. We aren't loving the way he's called us to love. We aren't making decisions the way he's called us to make decisions. And there's this struggle place where we end up resisting the Holy Spirit, but then... Later down the road in our life, when we're always, we're asking for the kingdom to be real, we're asking for things to happen that should happen within the kingdom of heaven, we wonder why the kingdom doesn't come to be. I think the hinge point, a big hinge point, is the Holy Spirit within us. Are we resisting the Holy Spirit? Because if we are, we're resisting the kingdom of God. Are we keeping the Holy Spirit, in a sense, under wraps within us, under our control? Because if we are, we're probably just keeping the kingdom under wraps and the kingdom under our control. But yet, when it comes to following Christ, to being a Christian, to following the ways of Jesus, at the end of the day, the best followers of Jesus have relinquished all control. Have relinquished Every bit of the, you know what, resisting. I don't want to do this part. And I believe that the kingdom of heaven hinges on our ability to relinquish our control over our lives, our decisions. It's to relinquish that place where we're, we're uncomfortable with the Holy Spirit. If we want to see the kingdom of heaven advanced in and through us, it must be by the power of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.16. We see Paul write this, and, and this has probably been read a thousand times, but I want to read it again. He says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. And you jump down to verse 22, and we've heard this, the fruits of the Spirit. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If you want to have a measurement of how well the kingdom is happening within you, these are the things to look at. And I want to ask today, how's your love? And there's two parts to this question. How are you loving others? And how are you allowing others to love you? Some of us are really good at showing love to other people, but really bad at receiving it. The kingdom requires it both ways. And when the kingdom begins to be established within us in a really healthy way, the Holy Spirit teaches us it's okay to be loved. You're worthy of it. You're worthy of his love. Now, most of us probably squirm under that even thought Because guess what? We all know the deepest, darkest parts of us. Or when someone loves us in a way that just almost is uncomfortable, this is when the Holy Spirit comes and he shows us this is what God is really like. How is love in your life? Here's a huge one for me, a huge measurement in my life. How's my joy? Right now, how's your joy? 2021. 
Almost two years of COVID. How's your joy? (laughs) This should be a great measurement for you because I'm telling you, if you want to see the kingdom established outside of you, it has to first be established within you. And if, and if we're struggling in these ways to let the Holy Spirit produce these kinds of fruit in us, it's often because we're actually resisting it in some way. It's, it's not always conscious. It's, we don't wake up in the morning and go, I don't want joy. Nobody's doing that. But we're waking up, we're getting on Fox News, and then your joy's gone. Or you're getting on CNN, and your joy's gone. You have, to, you have to realize that sometimes we're allowing other things to influence us in a way that actually takes away the very fruit that Jesus is trying to produce, that the Holy Spirit's trying to produce in us. Where's your joy at? If you don't have joy, I'm telling you, the kingdom needs to establish itself a little bit more within you, and it only comes through this, this place, the Holy Spirit. Because listen, the Holy Spirit brings joy that sometimes doesn't even make sense. It's like you, you I don't, we can, all, we can all remember moments like this in our life. You're just outside and you're like, the trees, why are they so gorgeous today? The air is so wonderful. And there's this place where you just look at life and there's this gratefulness. And, and it's like nothing can touch you that day. You just have this joy. Sometimes it doesn't have to make sense. I think actually when you have joy and it makes the least sense, it's most probably the Holy Spirit. How's your joy? Peace in the midst of this world. It's actually one of the first promises of the Holy Spirit in John 14. I'm going to leave you with peace, Jesus says. He's talking about a peace that the Holy Spirit will bring into us. No matter the circumstances of our lives, no matter the difficulties we're facing or the, the, the diagnoses we're facing or the relational issues we're facing or the world issues we're facing, there's a place that if the kingdom is established within us, we can have peace in the midst of it. That we can understand God, God can do something no matter what. I can have peace. It doesn't mean you don't have feelings and emotions, but in among, amongst all of that, somehow peace reigns. This is a measurement of the kingdom within our lives. Patience. <laughs> I don't even want to talk about that one. How patient are you? It doesn't take much for me to lose my patience. Actually, just this week, I came home from work. Actually, I was having a great day. Like, a great day. I had gone to Malone. I'd spent time with our, our church out there and our friends out there and just exciting things that are happening. And, you know, I had actually accomplished a lot, lots of phone calls. You know, you know those days where you just get lots of the stuff on your list done? I don't know about you, but that makes me feel great. I come home, and I open the door to our house, and our dining room table's moved, and the dining room carpet's moved, and there's this huge black spot on my beautiful white oak hardwood floor. And I'm like, what is that? And Jessica's, you know, scrubbing. She goes, apparently this is where the dog's been peeing for a month. And I'm like, 
where's the dog? I'm going to kill it. I'm sorry for you animals lovers. I love my hardwood floor more. And instantly I'm like, what? What, what is wrong with that? And I'm getting, I'm mad, right? And listen, if I get even the slight, slightest bit mad and Mara's nearby, the world is over. <laughs> so immediately she gets mad. She'll actually come and put, put her hand over my mouth. Quiet, daddy. <laughs> Sometimes it's not as gentle as that. She lets me know real quick. And, and, and I'm like, and, I'm, and I got mad at Mara because I'm like, leave me alone because she's trying to cover my mouth. I can be mad about my hardwood floor. And then Jessica's like, wow, you're in a really great mood. I'm like, I was in a good mood <laughs> until this dog ruined my floor. <laughs> Patience check. <laughs> I need more of the kingdom in my life. I know that's a silly thing, but come on. If we want to measure the kingdom within us, we have to say, God, where's the patience? God, help me grow this in my life. Holy Spirit, I don't want to resist you. Create patience. Maybe he was creating patience in me in that moment. But come on, let's just look at it from that side. Sometimes God's creating patience within you because of difficult circumstances. We just don't like the process. Kindness. How's your kindness? Honestly, I, I would say that in recent years, I, I've appreciated, even just in the world in general, people doing these random acts of kindness. And it's really awesome. I, I love it. You know, sometimes I've rolled through Tim Hortons and they paid for my coffee ahead of me. And then I decide I'll pay for the person behind me. I always wonder how long that goes. And those are awesome, but there's a place where kindness from the kingdom usually means kindness when it's not deserved. How's your kindness when someone doesn't deserve your kindness? How's your kindness when someone doesn't think like you, act like you, look like you? How's your kindness then? How's your kindness when someone doesn't vote like you? Because kindness that is established by the kingdom is just kindness no matter what. Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness. Man, this one always gets me a little bit. How's your gentleness? I'm probably not considered a gentle person. I'm not overly gentle with my words. I'm not overly gentle with my actions. Like, honestly, if you saw me roughhousing with Isaac, it would be borderline abuse. That kid can take it, I'll tell you. And he just wants it to be rougher and rougher. I mean, weird. I'm not generally a gentle person, but when I read this and I think about the kingdom of God, and I even think about Jesus' heart for people, there's got to be a gentleness within us. It's not always just an exterior action. But a gentleness within, within us. I think gentleness can be displayed in ways when we see someone struggling, someone in a difficult situation, and we have a heart that actually wants to deal with them in a gentle way. 
Or how about gentleness when it comes down to someone who's done the same thing over and over and over and over in your life, or over and over and over to you, and yet you can still have a gentle heart towards them? How's gentleness in your life? Self-control. That's a good one. Self-control. These are all measurements of the kingdom of God being established within us. And I'm telling you, the only way these ones, and we all read these, and they're like, these things have been being said into kids since day one. Schools teach kids to act this way. Yet what's crazy to me is that these are the fruits of what? Your willpower? No. They're the fruits of the Spirit within you. And so if we want true love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, we have to have the Spirit of God within us to actually operate within those in a true way. Those are all elements of the kingdom being established within us. And when the kingdom of God becomes established within us, this is what I love about the Holy Spirit. He never stops with us. You see, the kingdom of God being established within you through the Holy Spirit is only to ready you for the rest of the world. I want to move on to Acts 1.8. We all know this scripture, but let's read it again. Acts 1.8. This is Jesus. He's with his disciples. He's about to ascend into heaven. And he leaves them basically with some of these very last words. And he says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Our life in the kingdom of God is to be lived by the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit is the one who produces that kind of fruit we just read about in Galatians within us. But then the power of the Holy Spirit does something else as well. And it comes in this next sense. And you will be my witnesses... Telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And you will be my witnesses. This is an extremely important word to us. Now Christianity has has used this word a lot. Oh, have you witnessed for Jesus? And we often think it's just this idea of telling someone, which it's true. I absolutely believe in the speaking of words to tell someone. But... I actually believe it's also living your life in a very certain way. So that when people look, there's a witness to who you are and what you say. There's a witness to how you act, which is why the kingdom of God has to be established within us first. Because if we just go about telling people what the kingdom is supposed to be like, or telling people about Jesus, yet our life looks nothing like that, we all know what that is. So the kingdom of God becomes established, but the reason it's established is so that we can actually be good witnesses for Jesus. And this, this is easy. Everywhere. Everywhere. You don't have to go anywhere else to be a witness for Christ. On your street, in your home, in your workplace, in the store, in your life. God wants to empower you through the power of the Holy Spirit to be his witnesses. 
Acts 2, we see this story begin to play out. And I'm going to actually read a bunch of this. So it says, you know, basically what happens is uh, Jesus ascends into heaven. He tells his disciples to go into the city to pray and to wait for the Holy Spirit to come. And it says, on the day of Pentecost, on verse 1, all the believers were meeting together in one place. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. We're going to jump down to to verses 14. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. Thanks for the clarification, Peter. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And in those days, I will pour my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike. I want to stop there. There's been a promise even since the early scriptures in the Old Testament that there would be a time when the Holy Spirit was available to all people. The Holy Spirit isn't just for some special people. It isn't just for someone who's a pastor or someone who's maybe considered prophetic. It isn't just for, you know, only a few narrow boundary people. It isn't just for the apostles of that day. The Holy Spirit is available to every single person who wants him in their life. And I love this idea, and I even love that in in that moment, He's reading from Joel, and one of the scriptures says, your young men will dream dreams, and those days I'll pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike. And in that day, that was a huge deal. Because they would have thought that, no, no, the work of ministry is only for men. But right here, even from Joel, a prophet long before Jesus says, no, men and women alike are going to have the Holy Spirit. And they're going to accomplish the purposes that I have called for my church to accomplish. The Holy Spirit's available to every one of us. And I want to jump down to verse 41, and I want to just kind of get to what happens in this. It says, those who believed what Peter was saying that day were baptized and added to the church, about 3,000 in all. And there's this place that I believe when the kingdom of God becomes firmly established within us, that it can't help but overrun us. And this is what we see through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes, you know, I, I, you know we see in John 14, Jesus literally says, the Holy Spirit's with you, but later he'll be in you. And he's talking to those same disciples. And he was with them in John 14. And so they understood the Holy Spirit. 
to some degree, but in Acts 2, we see the Holy Spirit coming within them, and then we see something incredible change, that the kingdom that had become established within these disciples in their time with Jesus was now going to be coming out of them and establishing in the world around them. All because the Holy Spirit comes, and they allowed him to come in their lives in a new way. If you want the Holy Spirit, with, or if you want the kingdom of God, that we've been talking about to be within us and around us, we have to have the Holy Spirit to do so. And just like any relationship, even say, you know, every one of us in here can grow in our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Every one of us in in here can experience the Holy Spirit in a greater way than we have before. All it takes, like we did today when we were talking about Jesus, is an invitation during worship. When we were doing that during worship, you can do the same thing with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I want you in my life. You know, often in the morning when I pray, it's not often, it's every day, I literally say the same thing. I say, Jesus, I need you. Holy Spirit, I need you. Father, I need you. I just got in this habit because often it's like, we just we end up saying Jesus a lot, or we say God, this general sense. But somewhere in there, I realized I want to make sure I'm inviting the Holy Spirit within my life. I want to make sure I'm, I'm experiencing and understanding all three persons that are within this trinity, this, this idea that we call God. We, we know there are three distinct persons through Scripture. And so as much as I want to follow Jesus, I know in order to follow him well, I need the Holy Spirit within me. And so, Holy Spirit, I need you. (laughs) I need you today. Because my dog peed on my floor. But I think when we lean into the Holy Spirit more and more, the things that will happen, the things that we'll see God do, will start to look like the kingdom more and more. You know, we believe in healing here. We believe God can heal people's bodies. Of anything. And on the same note, I would say I haven't seen it happen every time I pray. But I do know this. It doesn't happen because of me. It happens because the Holy Spirit does something. You know, there's this scripture when Jesus is teaching the disciples to pray in one spot. He says, he, he says, what, you know, I got I to gotta paraphrase because I'm forgetting how it goes exactly, but trying to search my brain. Give me a second. Oh, yeah. So he says, you know, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to you for those who ask, right? And he's saying, if you're a father, a sinful father, and you give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly, and, and then he says this, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And it's this weird, like, it feels like it jumps. He's talking about prayer and how if you ask, you'll receive and those things. But then he says, how much more will the heavenly Father give to those who ask freely the Holy Spirit. Because at the end of the day, you might need healing, but really who you need is the Holy Spirit. You might need breakthrough in your relationship, but guess who's going to do the breakthrough? The Holy Spirit. You might need freedom from addiction in your life, but guess who's going to bring the freedom? The Holy Spirit. And we see this kind of caveat that we have to understand, if we want to see the kingdom really established, it's going to happen through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. 
We can't resist him. We can't ignore him. We have to freely invite him in. Why don't we stand this morning? 1 Corinthians 12, I'm going to finish by reading this together. I think sometimes what happens with the Holy Spirit is because of maybe even some of the awkwardness or weirdness that we've seen around him, we kind of just ignore it. But the gifts of the Holy Spirit come when they're asked and when they're invited. And there's these free gifts available to us from the Holy Spirit. I just want to read what Paul writes, and he says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept away by worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say Jesus, Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another and to someone else that one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives someone the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still, another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. And if you read through more of Scripture, you'll see that the Holy Spirit comes and he gives compassion as a gift. He gives service as a gift. I'm telling you, every person in this room, every person watching online, you have gifts of the Holy Spirit available to you. The Holy Spirit's available to you in every way. You simply have to invite him in. You have to let him in. Let him in. He establishes the kingdom within you. And then I believe we begin to see these gifts start to happen within us. We see people that are just filled with compassion, in a sense, in an unnatural way for others. That's a gift to the Holy Spirit. We see people that God gives these words of knowledge to. And when they pray over someone, it seems like they're just reading their mail. They just know something about them that's impossible. That's the Holy Spirit speaking into someone's life. And I believe that if we want to see the kingdom established within us and even greater in the world around us, in the North Country, in Augensburg, in all the places that we go, in our workplaces, that the Holy Spirit needs to be the one within us that's empowering us to do so. Because if we try to extend the kingdom in our own power, it won't happen. The engine behind the the kingdom of God advancing is the Holy Spirit. And so every one of us has to invite him in in a greater way. Maybe you're watching this morning, maybe you're in this room this morning, you're saying, I've never invited the Holy Spirit. It's just like Jesus. Holy Spirit, I need you more. There you go. He'll come. Holy Spirit, I want you in my life right now. He'll come. Holy Spirit, show show yourself to me in a greater way. He'll come. So I'm going to pray this morning for you and for everyone watching. And I would challenge you this week, invite the Holy Spirit into your life in a greater way. 
Maybe even acknowledge the ways in which you've resisted him. And let him come in in a greater way. Father, we thank you for what you're doing this morning. God, we thank you for the ways that you're advancing the kingdom of God within us and the ways that you're advancing the kingdom around us, God. We know it's not a kingdom like we understand in this world, not this governmental structure, but God, really it's the establishment of your goodness in this world. God, it's the establishment of your gifts in this world. It's the establishment of your reign in this world around us. And so, Father, we want to see that more. But, God, we acknowledge today it's not by our own strength. It's not by our own power, but it's by the Spirit. God, it's by your Spirit within us and your Spirit operating through us that the world can see your goodness, that the world can see your kingdom. And so, God, we invite you this morning. Holy Spirit, we invite you more this morning into our lives. And we ask and give you permission. Do whatever you want to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Be blessed. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to NTC Messina's podcast. We hope you join us next week and have a blessed day.